Hey, 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 welcome to the Ritz Report. I am Alex Ritz. It is Tuesday, October 26th, and let's get things started. Oh, yeah. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining me. Welcome, welcome, welcome to today's show. We're packed, loaded, and ready to go. If you have notes of adoration and love or pure hatred that you want to send to me, send them to Ritz at RitzReport.com. That's Ritz at RitzReport.com. That's the old school blog. I do post things there from time to time, so be sure to put that on your old bookmarks bar and check it out when you can. Also, you can check me out on Twitter. Twitter. Twitter is like a like a an insane asylum for people on the internet where they just throw crap at each other all day long. <laughs> it's kind of fun to be on there. So Twitter, uh, you can check me out on Twitter at Ritz Report or Instagram at Ritz Report. I don't have a uh, Facebook page because I can't stand Facebook. I don't understand why anybody uses it. Even though I know Instagram is owned by Facebook, I just uh, prefer the platform, if you know what I mean. So on today's show, what are we talking about? We're talking about vaccines and the madness surrounding them. Oh, and there's plenty of madness. Madness, I tell you. We're going to look at the VAERS data. We're going to talk about how you're never going to be fully vaxxed. They're finally coming clean and talking about how it doesn't make a difference how many shots you get. You will never be fully vaxxed. You could have seen this one coming. I sure did. Uh, we're going to review the New York Times. The New York Times. You know, the, uh, the fancy people read the New York Times. Um, I get their morning newsletter, and I actually pay for a subscription. It hurts my heart to say that, but I do actually give that miserable organization some money so I can see what the other side is up to. Always important to follow your enemies and see what they're doing. And supply chain woes. Yes, they continue. They continue. And we have a little segment called Today's Woke Moment, where we talk about all things woke and how... How grand that is. How grand that is. But as I said, to kick it off, let's talk about vaccines. I want to discuss these quote-unquote vaccines and the vaccine mandates. Shall we? I think we shall. What's happening here in the United States is really disturbing, and uh, I think that it should bother every American, and everybody should be standing up saying, what exactly is going on here in regards to vaccines? We're almost two years into this horror show known as COVID. Thanks, Dr. Fauci, for funding that. That's so, uh, you, you always want to put the guy in charge to like work on the problem that he helped create. That's always a, a great thing to do. I mean, I don't expect Joe Biden to make any good decisions because Joe Biden's not there anymore, right? The man has dementia, and that's just what it is. It's sad. It's even sadder that his wife and those in his party allow him to continue in that position, but... It is what it is. But anyway, we're almost two years into this horror show, and I look around, I look around where I live here in NYC, and there are still people masking and double masking. My kids were in over the weekend, this past weekend, they came in, one from uh, Boston, one from Philly, and we spent the weekend together, and then I had to, I took them over to Penn Station to put them back on the trains to, uh, to go back to their lives. And I'm in Penn Station, and it, at this point in New York City, I don't put a mask on. If you want to ask me to put a mask on, I have it in my pocket, but I'm not willingly putting a mask on. I'm not putting it on my face. We, we're way into this. We all understand that the masks don't do anything regardless. 
of the idiots on TV who scream and yell about masks. So there's people in Penn Station, double masked, double masked. You know they have the quote-unquote vaccine and they're double masked. It's just, it's madness, madness. Anyway, and I look at those people and it used to be that I would get upset at them. But at this point, I just, I just feel bad for them, right? They're watching CNN, they're watching MSNBC, and they have been so psychologically broken and damaged that there are people that are really going to need professional counseling to get out of the hole that they're in, right? They're, they're never going to be able to do it on their own unless they turn off the damn television and start doing some of their own damn research into this, this pandemic, this COVID, how deadly it actually is, how it's transmitted. Like really, we're going to think that a sub-microscopic particle that somebody coughs into the air and is swirling around is going to be stopped by your blue surgical mask? Really? Do you, do you honestly believe that? If you do, you're just not thinking very much. For the rest of us normal folks, I can only surmise that if you're following along with this stuff, you're just, there, there are some people that just need to do more to inform themselves. There's so much information out there. There's so much data that you can get. And if you look at just the standard news sources that you see, the, uh, the main, mainstream media, the social media, the, uh, you will not see 90% of the information that's out there as it relates to the virus. You just won't. It's not out there. So the, the people who are not like completely freaked out and scared, but they are, they are, um, they, they just haven't done enough homework to say what's the real risk here and what should I be doing? So I'd like, if we look at, I have it here somewhere, uno momento, por favor, a little Spanish lingo there. <laughs> just throw it in there for the fun of it. Uh, so if we look at actual survivability, here we go. I found it. So if we look at actual survivability, right? People are freaking out. I see people, like I said, I see people in New York City, Penn Station on the streets, kids that are 20, 30 years old, double masked, some people with gloves, other people with a face shield. Crazy, right? Crazy. So there is a, uh, a um, research paper done out of Stanford in July. Two, two, two doctors did a meta-analysis of a bunch of COVID data. And in terms of um, what is the infection survival rate, right? So I know no, numbers are hard to do on a podcast, but let's just plow ahead and talk numbers, right? So COVID infection survival rate by age group was how they broke out this, how they broke out this uh, research report. I will post this with the podcast. I'll put links to everything that I talk about uh, with the uh, show so you can look at all of it yourself if you so choose. Ages zero to 19, right? So kids to 19, their survival rate, 99.9973. Zero to 19, 99.9973 survival rate. Ages 20 through 29, 99.986% survivability rate. Ages 30 through 39, 99.969%. Ages 40 through 49, 99.918%, ages 50 through 59, 99.73%, ages 60 through 69, 99.41%, and ages 70 plus, all 
So you can see it drops off there as soon as you get above seven years old. So the folks that are in the older age groups, yeah, they, they should be concerned, especially if they have comorbidities. Uh, you know, you, you look at the paper and they show you uh, stories about people that are 40 and 50 years old that are dying. Uh, and they sort of, at least it looks to me anyway, like you read the stories and it's almost like a celebratory tone. Like, oh, look at this person who died in their 50s, and they're going to make a huge story out of it. The reason they can make a huge story out of it is because it doesn't really happen very often. It doesn't happen very often in their 30s, 20s, 40s, so they can make make a big uh, story out of it. So, you, you, like, listen to those numbers, and those numbers are, like I said, if you do some homework, they're, they're, they're freely available. There's, you don't have to go pay anybody. You have to have some magic password to get them. But have you heard any of that on any of the new, like, CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, any of them? None of them. They have no interest in telling you what the actual risk is. They just don't. And those in power are using this as a wedge. They're using it as a wedge to drive people apart, to divide us into groups of vaccinated and unvaccinated, although now it doesn't really appear that you're ever really vaccinated. Right Now we've crossed the Rubicon and they've decided that um, there is no full vaccination. From the uh, Washington Post, from October 22nd, I believe. Yes, October 22nd, <clears throat> Mr. James Hamblin. <clears throat> this piece is unbelievable. It is unbelievable to think that Mr. Hamblin, what he writes in here, two years ago, he never would have spoken it out loud or said it, right? Because... Now he thinks he's one of the smart ones and the world has changed and he, he can really analyze and look at things differently from a different perspective where everybody else can't see it, but Mr. Hamblin can. But listen to this piece, it's unbelievable. The title of it is, You're Not Fully Vaccinated, You Never Will Be. So, like I said, two years ago, Mr. Hamblin never would have said that because when you grew up and you were getting shots, all you folks out there, me, my kids, you got them shots, they were vaccinated, Right? It wasn't a matter of fully vaccinated. He writes, When retired General Colin Powell's family announced his death on Monday in a brief Facebook post, they said the cause was complications from COVID despite being fully vaccinated. The former Secretary of State, who was 84, had also been undergoing treatment for multiple myeloma, the kind of cancer, that kind of cancer causes marked impairments of the immune system, rendering it capable of producing only one type of antibody. In July, a study of vaccinated people with multiple myeloma found that only 45% had an immune response that, um, excuse me, excuse me, let me try that over again. <coughs> In July, a study of vaccinated people with multiple myeloma found that only 45% had immune responses that would be adequate to protect them against COVID. A booster dose is recommended for people with blood cancers, but no amount <laughs> but no amount of vaccination can make up for an immune system that won't fight back. To the medical community, it was no surprise that Powell could develop a severe, even fatal case of COVID. Much of the surrounding, uh, much of the discussion surrounding his death, however, suggested otherwise, as if the case of some irregularity or failure of the vaccines. The phrase, fully vaccinated, stood out to me as it featured prominently in most news coverage. It implied that Powell should have been completely protected, that he shouldn't have been able to die from COVID-19. The use of fully vaccinated is not unique to Powell either. 
though the coverage of his death has highlighted the term as inappropriate in many cases because primarily there is no consensus on what it means to be fully vaccinated. As we've seen through the pandemic, precision of language and transparency in delineating the known and the unknown are key to any effective public health response. A sense of false confidence or exaggerated risk can permanently damage the credibility that is so critical to the success of the coronavirus vaccination campaigns or of future ones. So I'm going to pause right there and say one thing. Mr. Hamblin, do you think that perhaps we, if we had uh, called this something other than a vaccine, because it isn't a vaccine, right? We all know how vaccines work regardless of the fact that the CDC wants to update what a vaccine definition is, we all know how a vaccine is supposed to work. You're supposed to take the shot. If there's a follow-up shot, you take that, and then you're good. I've never had a follow-up mump shot. I've never had any of the immunizations that I had as a kid been given to me again. So the reason that we have an issue now, and the reason that you're writing this piece, and the reason that we're talking about what does fully vaccinated mean is because this isn't a vaccine. It is not a vaccine. They called it a vaccine to get it through the uh, emergency use authorization process, but it is not a vaccine. doesn't work like a vaccine. doesn't work like any of the standard vaccines that we've ever had ever. So maybe if the people in charge and the people that we're supposed to just trust had actually called it what it is, a gene therapy, or a therapy that's going to provide us some level of protection for some period of time, we wouldn't now be in the, in the situation where you have to essentially tap dance around the fact that fully vaccinated doesn't mean what everybody thinks it means. So yeah, I agree with you. The, the use of language is important. And if we had been more precise coming out of the gate with what this actually was, we wouldn't have this problem. But Mr. Hamblin, he continues... At the moment, the central debate among immunologists and infectious disease experts in the United States, at least, pertains to booster doses. It's become clear that some people will benefit from additional shots. Third doses of an mRNA vaccine, second doses of the J&J, and equally clear that others will not. The challenge is to determine where to draw the line. Most of us fall into a gray area between a 21-year-old Olympic decathlete in no more need of doses, and then there's the 90-year-old with emphysema who sings in an unvaccinated choir who would quite benefit from boosting. All of this boils down to essentially an ongoing attempt to define fully fully vaccinated. Who is fully vaccinated against COVID-19 and for how long? The honest answer is that the target is moving before our very eyes. Again, if they had just called it what it was out of the gate and didn't call it a vaccine, we wouldn't be here. Further down in the piece, I'm not going to read the whole thing because he just goes on and on and on. Um, Further down in the piece, he says, beyond pandering to far-right audiences and conspiracy... Sorry, try that again. (laughs) But beyond pandering to far-right audiences and conspiracy theorists, the reports on Powell's vaccination status play into genuine concerns about breakthrough infections and high-risk people. Individual narratives can be more compelling than 99% of statistics, according to my mechanic. Such anecdotes become even more influential when official messages seem misleading or contradictory. I thought I was fully vaccinated. Now you're saying I'm not? If the vaccines work, why can a fully vaccinated person still die? He continues, the answer is that they can still die in the same way that a person who is fully seatbelted still can. 
to have to go through this sort of mental gymnastics, like to read this piece and to think that this guy wrote this thinking that he's actually making a case where if we just said out of the gate, it's not a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. Further down in the piece, he says, the facts that unvaccinated people are dying of COVID in the United States reflects no greater failure than that of everyone else to get their shots to drive the virus into obscurity. Okay, so I have a question. If everybody in the country had a shot, would this be driven into obscurity? Like we now know that those who get the shot can get COVID and can spread COVID. In some cases, and you no longer hear this in the news, those who actually get COVID after they've had the shot have a much higher viral load than those who just get it naturally. So they actually are more dangerous to other people. So to say in this sentence, the fact that the vaccinated people are dying of COVID in the United States reflects no greater failure than that of everyone else to get their shots and drive the virus from obscurity. Nonsense, absolute nonsense. I point you to none other than Dr. Robert Malone. Let's see what Mr. Malone has to say about this subject. He says, and the title of this piece is Fully Vaccinated Are COVID Super Spreaders, says the inventor of the mRNA technology. So if you don't know Dr. Robert Malone, he was involved in creating the mRNA technology. So he is said, quote, if you consider the scientific fact that vaccinated people have less symptoms than the unvaccinated, but can still easily spread the disease, consider your fellow vaccinated worker whose unvaccinated son may have brought the disease home and given it to him. He may not have any symptoms, but he'll definitely be producing the virus. And he's going to say, hey, I can go to work today, but he's going to be spreading the virus around like crazy. Malone continues, if the government isn't going to disclose to you that the vac- what the vaccine risks are, and they're not going to disclose to you what's really going on because they think that you can't handle the news, this is called a noble lie. Malone denounced the noble lie as paternalistic authoritarianism. He said that the idea of governance by lying goes back to Plato and ancient Greek philosophy, which argues that it's okay for politicians and people in authority and positions to lie to the general public because they have special knowledge and the ability to understand things that the general public can't cope with. And they can't deal with that level of information, so it's okay to lie to them. I really disagree with this line of thinking, Malone continued, yet it has been public policy in the United States and around the world for public health for a very long time. So the gentleman from the Washington Post, Mr. Hamblin, who says you're not fully vaccinated and you never will be, we could give everybody a shot today, right? Right now, the United States, I think, is at 57% fully vaccinated, I believe, 57%. If everybody got a shot today, COVID is not going away because we know and I don't know how we, I, I honestly don't know how the Washington Post, the New York Times, CNN, all of these websites that are constantly writing these pieces, like, aren't you people paying attention to what's going on around the world? Are you watching Israel? Are you watching the UK? Are you watching Lithuania? Are you watching the lockdowns? Are you watching the percentage of people that are vaccinated? It doesn't matter. The virus doesn't seem to really care. 
In fact, one could argue that in some of the countries that are the most vaccinated, they have the most cases. Explain that. Mr. Hamblin, as you go on your tirades about how people who are not vaccinated are impacting those who are vaccinated, do you see what messing with the language does when you call something a vaccine and it isn't a vaccine? You start tying yourself in knots because none of it makes any sense. And everybody can see that it doesn't make any sense. <sighs> so, but, I mean, the thing that, so, so, so if, if we're going to agree that we're never going to be ever, ever really fully vaccinated, right? We did this two-shot regime with Pfizer and Moderna and the one-shot regime with J&J. They did it at Operation Warp Speed. They did it in whatever it was, nine months, something like that. It normally takes 10 to 14 years to create a vaccine. And the reason is because most vaccine candidates fail. They just don't work. So it takes a really long time, and it's hard to get it right. We did it in nine months, and then they turned around in weeks and said, we're going to do boosters. After the FDA recommended no boosters, the CDC essentially came out and said, the hell with you guys, we're doing boosters. Right now, they're saying they're giving boosters to only a certain subset of society. That will change, especially if we see uh, cases increase over the next few weeks as we head into the winter here. I mean, overall, cases happily are down. The rolling average, like the New York Times has really good data. I don't know why they uh, don't have data in terms of like breakthrough infections and things like that, but they do have good data. And we're down like 14-day rolling average. We're down like 20%. In fact, from the uh, New York Times piece, uh, the number of new daily COVID-19 cases has plunged 57% since peaking on September 1. This is written by uh, David Leonhard. He's always writing for the uh, morning newsletter. Um, but th this is one of the things that really sort of irritates me about these people. Like, So David Leonhard works for the New York Times. I just said to you that the New York Times has really good data, and they do. If you go to their homepage and you click on, uh, you click on the uh, COVID data that they have there, they have great, great charts, great graphs, great tables of data. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. So the 14-day change for the United States is negative 22%. So that's great. I mean, that, that's fantastic. Let's hope that we continue that way and this scourge that we've had to deal with over the last few years goes away. But Mr. Leonhard writes in this piece, he says, forecasting COVID is extremely difficult as we all should know by now, and it's certainly possible that cases will rise again in the coming weeks. But the geographic breadth of the decline does not offer a reason for optimism. So he, further down in the piece, he says, there are some local hotspots, as, <clears throat> as almost any, as almost, sorry, let me start over. There are some local hotspots, as ha there are some local hotspots, as has always been the case since the pandemic began. You can look up your county. Several of the hotspots are in the northern part of the country, like Alaska, Idaho, Montana, North Dakota, and a few counties near the Canadian border in New Hampshire and Vermont. This pattern has led to some speculation that the onset of cold weather is causing increases by moving more activities indoors and that the entire country will soon experience higher caseloads. This does not seem to be the scenario, however. In most colder regions, including Canada and the densely populated parts of the northern U.S., cases are still falling, but the problem for Alaska and the Mountain West is probably not the weather. It's vaccine skepticism. Then he writes, Idaho is the nation's least vaccinated state. 
and several other Western states are only slightly ahead of it. So he's saying that the reason that these poor states, these rubes in these states are having to deal with this is because they won't get vaccinated. What Mr. Leonhardt works for the New York Times, if he could go to the table with state trends and look at his own data, where he states that Idaho is the nation's least vaccinated state, it's not even true. Idaho is actually number two. West Virginia is number one. West Virginia has only 41% of their population vaccinated. Idaho has 43%. The reason Mr. Leonhardt couldn't use West Virginia with 41% of their people vaccinated is because their 14-day change in COVID cases is down 25%. So the least vaccinated state in the union, cases are down over 14 days, 25%. He goes and cherry picks number two, where they're 43% vaccinated, and they have an increase of 10% over the last 14 days. It's that sort of just dishonesty and lying where these people will never be able to regain any credibility. Like, it's your own paper, Mr. Leonhardt. It's your own data. It's your own table of data on your website that anybody can go look at. But you skip right past West Virginia to cherry-pick Idaho because it makes your case. But anybody with a brain who can just go and look can see for themselves that you're a fraud and that your paper's a fraud. And it makes me sick that I have to pay for it, that I pay, even if, I think it's like a dollar a week. Even that's too much, right? This paper is crap. It is a propaganda crap machine. Um, further down in the piece, he writes, scientific studies trying to answer the severity question more precisely have come to conflict, conflicting conclusions. Some have found the Delta to be more severe than other versions of the virus, while others have found that it's not. Until the research becomes clearer, the best guess may be that Delta is modestly more severe, which could explain why hospitalizations and death rates have held steady even as vaccination rates have risen. Let me read that again. Could explain why hospitalization and death rates have held steady even as vaccination rates have risen. Maybe the vaccine doesn't work the way that you think it does. How about that? Could that potentially be an option? Dr. Robert Wachter says that Delta may be more serious, but not materially so. He is a chair of the Department of Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. This pattern can influence how you think about your day-to-day -day activities, writes Mr. Leonhardt. If you're vaccinated and boosted, if eligible, although we don't know what fully vaccinated means anymore, right? If you're vaccinated and, and boosted, if eligible, and you were comfortable socializing indoors and without a mask last spring, you can probably feel comfortable doing so again now or soon, Wachter adds. Some older people or those with medical conditions may want to ensure that everybody else indoors with them is vaccinated before removing their mask. Older people may want to make sure that, old, that everybody who is with them indoors is vaccinated before removing their mask. I point you back to the piece that I just read by Dr. Robert Malone, one of the creators of mRNA technology, who says that this virus is spreading among the vaccinated. So old people indoors with vaccinated people, those vaccinated people actually could carry a higher viral load. That's what I mean when I read these pieces. I think to myself, how do these people not know what I know? How do they not read what I read? How is Dr. Robert Malone, the creator of mRNA technology, how is he not on TV ever? How come nobody listens to him? How come he gets banned or uh, shadow banned on Twitter? 
what is it that he's saying that that is so wrong? He's one of the guys who helped create this. Shouldn't we? Shouldn't he have something to say? Instead, all we're going to do is listen to Dr. Fauci. Well, I don't know if you can do a go to Christmas. Maybe I don't know. We'll have to see. It's insane. This is the only guy we get to see on TV. The guy who kills dogs on purpose. Anybody who kills dogs on purpose tells you a lot about them, right? We all know, and we've all heard the stories about children, right? That torture animals, and they are troubled kids. So if you are a child who tortures animals or kills animals, and then you grow up and become the head of the NIAID, what do you do then for fun? Just asking questions. So anyway, Mr. Uh, Leonhard here in the Times finishes with the low vaccination rate in the U.S., is another consequence of our polarized politics and our high levels of socioeconomic inequality. That's what it's worth, right in the trash. So let me understand. There are literally shots on every corner for anybody who wants them. If If I trip in New York City, I fall into a cart giving out COVID shots or a cart that's doing COVID testing. It doesn't make a difference where I go. I can't, I can't get, I couldn't get away from it if I wanted to. Yet somehow it's socioeconomic, right? The, the people, what, they, 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 can't, they can't afford to trip out the door and uh, trip out the door and land on a COVID, a COVID treatment spot? I doubt that. Uh, moving on, let's talk about now how the FDA and Big Pharma are saying that shots are safe for 5 to 7, uh, sorry, 5 to 11-year-olds. I have only one question for that, right? So we had warp speed and then we're approving boosters for adults. Now, you know what? We can do mix and match. Doesn't make a difference what the first shot was. Get any second shot you want. Yeah, stand, step right up. What shot would you like? Would you like two, three, four shots? Uh, we didn't do any trials for boosters. I think, you know, they did a couple of dozen people or whatever. But so what? We got it figured out. We're, we're, we're good. Now, now we're going to give shots to 5 to 11-year-olds. How long was the trial that we did that test? How, how many trials? How big was it? What are the results of that trial? I mean, this whole thing, really? Like, we're, now we're going to start giving shots to 5 to 11-year-olds? Soon it's going to be 0 to 5-year-olds. And now the CDC is out there saying that they may have to uh, change what they consider to be fully vaccinated. That's a lie. That, that's a lie. Right? As soon as they tell you they're thinking about it, you know. It, it no longer is two shots fully vaccinated. Now it's going to be three. After three, it's going to be four. And after four, it's going to be five. At least the dude in the Washington um, Post is telling the truth, right? It doesn't make a difference how many shots you got. You're never fully vaccinated. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Now we're going to mix and match. It's awesome, right? Everybody just get, get as many shots as you want, right? Just shut up and get the shot. Natural immunity, doesn't matter. Shut up and get the shot. Where's all the serology testing that we were doing early on? How come that happened? How, why, why is it required that the entire planet, the entire planet now has to get a shot? Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. It was right, so the entire planet. It's, it's not enough just to get all, every American a shot, and you know, all the supply chain issues, they're directly related to the fact that people aren't getting vaccinated. Didn't you know that? <laughs> Come on. I mean, Jesus. What do you have to be, some kind of a loser not to know that, that the fact that you don't have your shot? <laughs> Man. You are one pathetic loser. Yeah, come on. 15 shots. Let's go. 15 masks, 15 shots. Give me a face shield, 25 pairs of gloves, 
During an interview with ABC News on Thursday, Deputy Treasury Secretary Wally Adameo stated that the economy's in transition, and I quote, <clears throat> here's Wally. I'm going to do my best Wally voice. As part of the transition, we're seeing higher prices for some of the things that people like to buy. The only way we're going to get to a place where we work through the transition is if everyone in America and everyone around the world gets vaccinated. Here's another genius in the uh, another genius in the Biden administration. The only way that we can fix the supply chain problem is through vaccination. You probably didn't know that. And listen, I don't blame you for not knowing. I was a little slow on the uptake myself. But we now know that the only way to move forward is for the whole world to be vaccinated because if they're not, how can, how can ships possibly unload their gear if you're, not, if you're not vaccinated? How is that even possible? It's not, right? I mean, let's, uh, let's call it what it is, right? The, 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 these people in charge are really, really smart, and the rest of us, yeah, we, we just haven't figured it out yet. But don't worry, they're there to save us. Joe Biden is there to save us. In fact, speaking of Joe Biden, before we do our segment on uh, woke woke vocabulary, <laughs> which I'm sure you're like totally freaking psyched about because I know I, I am psyched. I want to hear from Joe Biden himself. And here we go. The fearless leader section of the podcast. Fearless leader, take it away. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. Yeah. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and <laughs> rub my leg down. So it was trained and then watch the hair come back up again. They'd look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. <laughs> uh, let's get one more from our fearless leader, right? How about, how about one more? How about one more? Are you for something that deals with allowing us to provide for monies to states so that they can, in fact, deal with things like what happened in in, in states where the major mm -hmm. utility lines come down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> uh, so that's our fearless leader. I hope you're all feeling better. You'll sleep well tonight, and you'll sleep better than you were last night, knowing that Joe Biden is on the job. He's on the job. Don't you worry about it. Okay, so now we're going to have our woke moment of love where we talk about wokeness and everything that's so great about it. And today, we are going to talk about woke vocabulary. And today's word is colorblind. And the definition is adjective describing someone who doesn't see color or race, just like the Nazis. This is supremely evil since it turns a blind eye to the lived experience and the daily reality of people of color who all have the same monolithic lived experience and daily reality. This has been your woke moment. And that's going to do it today for me, folks. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad we're here together. Check back Thursday for the next show. I will be here spreading truth, justice, and the American way since. Superman decided to bail on the whole American way thing. Somebody's got to stand up and... Take the mantle. Please share this podcast with all your friends and all of the uninformed rubes out there who you know that are just sort of meandering through life, staring at walls, talking to the carpet. Pass this podcast on to them and 
Visit us on social and on locals.com, Rich Report. Richreport.locals.com is my locals account. I'm just getting started, so bear with me. I got a picture of the uh, show's mascot up there. See, my brain froze up. I had a Biden moment, and I'm like looking for the word, and I didn't have somebody from CNN or to help me there, like feed me the word. So our mascot for the Ritz Report is my dog, Molly. Woof. And there'll be a picture of her, of her up there. So until next time, don't forget. This show's cooler than the other side of the pillow, so share it with everybody, and let's go, Brandon. Brandon.